And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, great to have you, Raider Nation. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, brought to you by Golden Entertainment. The proud owner of P.T.'s Tavern, 60-plus locations here in the Valley. The best happy hour from 5 to 7 to midnight to 2. Gaming, sports, good times, all the food. Great place to meet your friends. Watch the Vegas Golden Knights that we'll get to a little bit later on. Man, preseason hockey. Drawn some big crowds here in Vegas. Unbelievable what's happening here. And, of course, a place to watch college football Raiders on Sunday. They fuel the monologue. As we kick off the show, you know, my wife is my much better half. Those who know my wife have met her over the years, wherever I'm at with her, she's my much better half. And she's the one who always tries to ground me so I don't become radio guy off the air. And she reminded me today that this should be the most fun I'm ever having on Raiders radio ever, maybe, or a long time. You know, when I got hired by the Raiders in 98, They were going to the playoffs every year, and they went to the Super Bowl. I said, oh, my God, this is incredible. I'm flying on the team plane. They're playing in the Super Bowl AFC championship. They're winning all these games. I expected that to be that way every year. I got used to it. And then the Raiders went on a massive drought with the playoffs and winning games. And, man, it was some heavy shoveling. But I didn't mind it because I'm involved with the team and get a chance to meet so many great fans and players and the owner and coaches over the years. I've watched coaches get hired and fired, players come and go. But now it's a different time because it's a brand-new market, so there's a lot of Raider fans that are new, and they're trying to learn about the team and the history of the team. We, we forget that. we got a lot of diehard fans that come on my show. They're diehards. They've been with the Raiders a long time, but we also have a lot of brand-new fans. It's the first time, and they're in Vegas going, yeah, I'm behind this. I want this to work in our community. And it's a really good time to be a Raider fan now. They're undefeated. They're 3-0. and They've won both their home games. The entertainment level of the two home games, as I keep saying, have paid for your tickets this year. If you're a season ticket holder, no matter what happens the rest of the way, the first two games you saw were so exceptionally entertaining that it really saves the season I don't know what the season record's going to be, but you can't complain about the value that you have now. Tickets are expensive. It's a unique product. It's the NFL in town, and you had two incredible games. And you still have a Sunday night game with Kansas City. And look, man, some of these games are going to get flexed later on in the year, and if the Raiders are still up there, the Raiders might get another primetime game. So there's a lot of great things happening here, and I want to make sure we're in the moment because I'm often not in the moment on radio, and I try to do that in life, but not in radio. I'm not a comedian. I'm not doing fun shows. We're not giving away T-shirts. We're not shooting T-shirt cannons into the air. That's not me. I'm just trying to give you everything I got for two hours, try to give you the best content available, and then hopefully hear from you, and you react to what I have to say or you bring something to the table. But I think we'd all agree. The Raiders have been off for a couple of days. Their schedule changes up a little bit because they have Monday Night Football, and they deserve to get all this national attention. They're playing great. There's been some games that there's been some bizarre plays. There's been some really high blood pressure moments with the team, but we should all be enjoying that, and it it should sound like this on the flagship all day. All day long. It should be Raider fans coming in, excited to be a part of this team, and being really optimistic about the future. Because it hasn't been that way. Last year, they got off to a 6-3 and three start. And the wheels kind of came off. And the rest of the year was, Hank, could they hang on? Could they win another game? Could they win- beat Atlanta? No. They barely beat the Jets. Can they win another game? And maybe get to the playoffs. And then they lost to Miami on the Ryan Fitzpatrick helmet getting ripped off. Hail Mary sideline thing. And the season came to a crashing end and they missed the playoffs. So there are some Raider haters out there saying, Look, you know, it's good. They're not, they haven't proved anything yet. That's right. They haven't proved anything yet, but they become the only team in NFL history to beat three teams from the year before in a row that had 10 wins or more. No one's ever done that in the history of the league. Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Brett Favre, go to John Elway, 
Derek Carr's done that. It's an amazing stat for Derek. But now Derek's got to go into a national game on Monday Night Football and try to do it again. They're not going to win every game this year. They're not going undefeated in the AFC West. They're not going undefeated. They're not going to run the table and win eight or nine in a row. I don't think they will. They could, but it's probably not going to happen. So as we sit here at 3-0 and as fans, and if you're a fan, I know you are, you're listening, let's get into what this experience has been like as we preview the Chargers and talk about the threats that the Chargers give the Raiders. And I think they give them a lot of threats. I've had two different philosophies with the Chargers this year. One is the fact that they're really good and their roster's good and they're healthier and they've been snake bit. The last couple of years, you know, the Raiders are injured now. They can't get a break on the offensive line. Chargers have been dealing with bigger injuries than the Raiders the last two years. Derwin James, Bosa, some of the guys who are hurt have been so significantly hurt that it's train wrecked their season. Now they're off to a decent 2-1 and one start with a couple of big games, and they're healthier than the Raiders. They are. Look at the injury report. We'll get to that later on. But the Chargers have been a snake-bitten team. They make bad decisions. They turn the ball over a lot. At times, you look at them and say, man, they're much better than the way they're performing in the second quarter or the third quarter. But now they're more explosive than I can remember, even with Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers had some pretty explosive teams. Good running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, and Rivers could march up and down the field. Justin Herbert's on a different level. He is. Phillip Rivers is going to the Hall of Fame. It's too early to tell, tell me Justin Herbert's going in. But at the same age, at the same time in their career, Justin Herbert was a lot better than Phillip Rivers. Not a little bit, a lot better than Rivers. And Rivers is going to the Hall of Fame. No debate. So how, does, how do you stop Justin Herbert? I'm looking at the numbers here, and we'll get into it more next hour on the show. I did a lot of numbers crunching earlier today. And basically this team, the number that jumps out at me the most is they're last in the NFL, last in rushing defense. They are giving up the most rushing yards of any team in the NFL. And that is encouraging if you're a Raider fan. The problem is now you sit here and you scratch your head and you go, man, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if Josh Jacobs was 100% healthy? If he was 100% healthy, how good would this team be? Because the Chargers, everybody, are giving up 170 yards a game on the ground. They're a sieve. Teams are running right up the gut, downhill at them, and just bowling them over like bowling pins. Listen to these stats when you look at them. I couldn't believe it. I knew it. And Gilbert Manzano will join us later. He's the Charger insider, and he'll dive into the number. Chargers dead last, 32nd in the NFL, giving up 170 yards a game. And I'm going, oh, my God, we don't got Josh Jacobs? He's not 100%. Gruden's trying to get him on the grass, he said this week. What happens if Josh Jacobs was playing at the level of Carr going into this game? Then I know for a fact that Gruden would go heavy running game, heavy running game, two tight ends, and just run it up the gut. Because the Chargers are seventh in pass defense, giving up about 201 yards a game. The Raiders are number one in the NFL with total offense, 471 yards a game. Unbelievable. And Derek's throwing it. The passing yards per game are incredible, 379. Let's round it up to 380. In the turnover category, the Raiders are plus one. That's 10th in the league. The Chargers are plus two. That's tied for eighth. I am concerned about both these teams because it's Monday night football and the penalties are starting to get away from both teams. The Raiders have 23 penalties. That's tied for 29th in the entire league. That's not a good number. And the Chargers have 26 penalties. That's tied for 31st, almost dead last. Matter of fact, the Chargers are dead last in penalty yards at 243. So what are the Chargers not doing well? You know, there's a love fest going on. Every day in L.A., everybody's loving the Chargers. Well, they're dead last in penalty yards, and they're dead last when it comes to rushing yards. That's not good. That's, you don't, do you hear that? Do you hear that on, on NFL Network or other shows? 
when the, the host is praising the Chargers and putting their coach on the show? Do you hear anybody, the host, ask, hey, how, how come you're dead last in rushing and how come you, you lead the NFL in penalty yards? You don't hear any of that, right? But when the Raiders fall into this category, everybody in the media kicks the Raiders in the groin and say, well, the Raiders, man, going back to Lyle Alzado, George Atkinson, Tatum, oh, they're penalties. Man, they only play, they're undisciplined. No, the Chargers are more. Fact, not fiction. Chargers have three to four players that deeply concern me. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, the receivers, they lead the Chargers in receptions. They both have more than Darren Waller. Mike Williams has 22. Keenan Allen has 21 receptions. Waller has 20. Uh, Both those players have more receiving yards than Waller and Henry Ruggs III. So those guys are going to get fed. They're going to get the ball, and they're going to get the ball downfield. If you were Justin Herbert, wouldn't you want to attack the Raiders' defense? Think about this for a second. If you're Justin Herbert, you're worried about the Raiders' pass defense, which has been really good. But if you're looking downfield at the line of scrimmage and you see Jonathan Abram, Trayvon Merrig, who's a rookie, Trayvon Mullen, who's a decent player, but he gets beat here or there, and Casey Hayward, a guy that the organization didn't believe in, and he's gone. If you're Justin Herbert, I think you're, you know, you're licking your chops going, give me these guys, I want to go get them. I want to go attack these guys downfield. No, no, we're not going to run the ball. We don't care about running the ball. We want to put it up 45 times, 50 times in this game and go attack. So it's a massive game for Gus Bradley. Massive game for Gus as he goes back to this organization where he had success and he was a good defensive coordinator. Now he comes to the Raiders and he's off to a great start, 3-0. and So there's a lot of numbers that will be crunching for the pregame show with Eric Allen coming up. I've been doing that several hours this morning. I look at the numbers and it jumps out at me that it's a shame that the Raiders don't have their feature running back yet. And I hope Josh can play in this game and the extra time off helps him heal. But if he was at 100% here, this would be the matchup that we wanted. The matchup would be the Raiders running game. Running game going up against the Chargers defense that doesn't stop the run. Raiders 3-0, and Chargers 2-1, and Monday, October 4th, 5:15 Pacific, SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. We'll be out at M Resort Casino and Spa, and I look forward to taking your calls right now, 702-365-9200. 702-365-9200. Someday I will have nine Raider fans on hold when the show starts, and then I'm going to quit. I'm just going to tell Bobby I quit. I've accomplished everything in my career. I have nine Raider fans on hold. But until that, I'll give you the number, I'll give you the fast monologue, and we'll get you going. Ron Mix at the bottom of the hour, one of the greatest tackles in the history of football. Played most of his career, the majority of it, with the Chargers. Came to the Raiders at the end of his career. Friends with Al Davis. Uh, Mark Davis just brought him back for the Flores celebration. His gold jacket was on as he was hanging out on the field. How cool is that? I've known Ron for a long time. When I got into the business, I started my career coming out of San Diego, and I met Ron early in my career. He was doing something with some football trading cards for the Hall of Fame, and I helped him out, and we've remained friends. And he is a gentleman assassin. He's one of the smartest football players to ever play. His mind is at a different level. He's an attorney, very sharp, Knows football really well, but he knows more about life and what's happening in the real world. I cannot wait to talk to him. I hung out with him Friday night and saw him at the game. Ron Mix. Also, Steph McKenzie will join us. Love Steph. She loves the Raiders. 97-1 the point. She's one of the most successful rock jocks in America, and she's diehard Raider Nation. Uh, She will join us at the top of next hour. And again, Gilbert Manzano who used to cover the Raiders, and I met him as, as he covers boxing. I'll get to boxing. Manny Pacquiao retired. He covers the Chargers now. So we had Sean Merriman on yesterday, Ron Mix on today, former Charger, Gilbert Manzano. I'm doing my job. I'm taking you behind the scenes to preview the Charger game. I'm not worried about this. wasn't worried about any game on the schedule this year. Really not. Not worried about any game. The reason why I'm happy about this game is because there's going to be 80 to 90% Raider fans. This is the test. This is the nightmare for Dean Spanos. Kind of the nightmare for the NFL, too. 
is to see the Raiders have a home field advantage in L.A. for the rest of the time. I don't know what that home field is going to look like when it's Raiders-Rams. I think the Rams will do a better job protecting their tickets and not selling them as much, but you never know because I still believe I still believe deep down there's more Raider fans in Southern California from the Valley all the way down to the San Diego border. There's more Raider fans than Ram fans and Charger fans. I believe that. I think that number's accurate. But we'll see what happens here. And if you're a Raider fan and you're going to this game, man, you're the fan I want to talk to this week. Dying to talk to fans who are going to the game, where you're staying, where you're tailgating. Use my radio show to promote your tailgate, where you're going to be. Man, some of those Carson games, I showed up uh, for Carson, and I get into the parking lot, and crazy tailgates. Crazy tailgates in Carson, but nothing will beat San Diego. When the Raiders took over Qualcomm Stadium for all those years and you pulled into Qualcomm coming into Mission Valley and you'd see all the barbecue smoke and all the Raider flags, the tall Raider flags waving, and you find several sections in the parking lot where the black hole and other fan bases would be, you just felt the energy going into a Charger game with all the L.A. Raider fans, who I embrace on this show. I lived in L.A. 10 years. A big part of the Raider organization is Los Angeles and the history of the L.A. Raiders and their massive fan base that we welcome to Vegas. It's a four-hour ride, as I told you. It's like a scene from Mad Max beyond Thunderdome where all the Raider fans are driving across the desert on the 15, coming here to games. We welcome Los Angeles, obviously Oakland, and all the other fans that now have a global headquarters for the Silver and Black at Allegiant Stadium. Everybody's getting it now. I mean, in the beginning, it was hard. It was hard to explain it to people who weren't here. Now people are coming. My buddy Raider Jay, he had dinner at Barry's Prime. I saw him at the torch. He came to see me on the pregame. Diehard Oakland Raider fan. One of my good friends. I go, what do you think? He goes, oh, my God, I love this. I had no idea it was this big. I go, yeah, it's pretty special, isn't it? You come into the stadium, the Death Star, and you feel the DNA of Al Davis and the torch. What Mark Davis went through to get here from Oakland to Carson, back to Oakland, to building this gem. And now the team's 3-0. and It's a great time to be a Raider fan. We don't want to lose track of that. Everybody be excited about what's happening and join us Monday night at M as we host the pre- and post-game. Sal in Vegas, start us off on 920. How are you, Sal? Hey, JT. How's it going? Great monologue. I'm doing well. What's happening? Hey, uh, you know, I mean, I've been to both uh, games at home so far, and I'm, I'm with you 100%. Man, we are so blessed and so lucky. The games that we've uh, been to experience already, I mean, it's just been off the chain. And uh, all the success that we've had, it's just been, it's been really fun. I mean, it's been really nice hearing from people and seeing people cheering us on and and telling us, you know, they see my Raider lanyard when I'm at work, and you know, go Raiders. It's been good, man, because we've had so many years of people talking so much, so much junk about us. Mm-hmm. It's finally, it's finally good to be, you know, three and zero, uh, and and after a good start. And I think, you know, with with the, with the game coming up, you know, like you said, you hit it right on the nose. It's going to be another home game for us. Um, you know, the atmosphere is going to be perfect for us. I mean, we're here in Vegas. The weather's beautiful. We're two hours away on a flight to L.A. You know, uh, Raiders got a lot of things going for them. You know, they do have their injuries. But I think the key to the game is, like like you said, it's going to be the running game. I think even if Jacobs is hurt, I think Barber and um, our other running backs going to be able to run up there behind Leatherwood on that side and, and run it down their throats. I think we're going to have to do that and then let Carr choose and pick who he wants to slice them up with. But it's, you know, definitely not going to be an easy game. But I think I think we got all the stuff working in our momentum we got you know the 3-0 start we're going to have the home field advantage there and you know we're going to have you know just it's the perfect time and we should win this game and if we win this game man you watch you watch out for Raider Nation because it's going to be crazy when the Bears come to town yeah it will be crazy that's why it's so important again I'm not in the business of picking games and scores and doing all that but I just hope the Raider fans aren't looking ahead to Chicago Chicago's a mess right now they're a mess uh, and uh, they're a mess PR-wise. That defense is really good. Any defense that's anchored by Khalil Mack is a problem. And they have good players on that defense. Very similar to Miami. I think the game plan when we get to Chicago will be very similar to Miami. Miami didn't have Tua. They went with a backup quarterback 
Same thing with Chicago. They don't know if they're going to have Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, Nick Foles, whoever it is. It's not going to be Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, or Justin Herbert. But the problem's going to be is that they're going to be in chaos and desperate. The whole season for Chicago is falling apart as we speak. The coach, Matt Nagy, is on his way out potentially if they don't win this week. Even though the McCaskey family normally doesn't fire coaches during the season, a lot of people think Matt Nagy is going to get fired here pretty quickly. But that's too far ahead. That's a week from Sunday. We can't even get into that. we got to stay with the Chargers. But I don't know. I'd like to see if the Raiders and their backups. Kenyon Drake is technically a backup, technically, but he could be a featured back. And if the running game could work, I don't know many people in the national media or even the local media that have a lot of confidence in this Raiders offensive line now. If the offensive line was completely healthy, Leatherwood 100%, Denzel Good 100%, he's gone for the year. Andre James playing better, having problems snapping the ball. You look at Simpson and then Colton Miller. I don't even think Colton's off to a great start this year. A couple of penalties. I'm a big fan of Colton Miller. But this, this offensive line is not playing great. And they're not playing at a high level. So, so to think they're going to assert their dominance and push the Chargers around in that stout defensive line, I don't know about that. But Kenyon Drake and Barber are shifty. They're physical. And maybe they get the running game going so they could set up some play action. I think this is a big Waller game. I really do. And more so because he's going to match up with Derwin James at some point. There'll be a linebacker on Waller. There'll be a corner or a nickel. or There's going to be a lot of help on Waller here. And Derwin James is going to look to light Waller up. I think that they could bait Derwin James into the box and really get Waller going deep. And I don't mind if Henry Ruggs III is a distraction in this game. I don't, I don't care if he's a decoy. If I'm John Gruden, I got Henry Ruggs third just running Cliff Branch wind sprints 50 yards down there and bringing a safety and a corner with him to open up the field for Derek Carter. You see it that way. Reggie in North Las Vegas. Go ahead, Reggie. What do you got? JT, don't break. Man, you just stole something I just had on my mind. You know, when uh, Gruden made a statement, he said that he would love to be able to adapt to each team every week have a plan for that team and of course if we had our guys 100 percent, that would probably be the 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 recipe right mm-hmm. but even still thin rugs on them jets routes man you gotta do it empty the box man and then have multiple tight ends in in formation because we have a pretty awesome and 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 wide group of guys that could come in and help us out. And it's those seven and uh, six yarders. It's those eight to fifteen yarders that you could just really pick them apart. And then I'm thinking, like you said about the running back situation, um, Drake. I just think his patience. Of course, he's just getting familiar with the the, the line and everything. Mm-hmm. But it, his patience, as well as like I. We had to get rid of Regis, right? We ended up did we end up getting rid? I think Regis yeah. is gone, but that yeah, is. that's the guy that for this game and for the game against the Broncos, I was just imagining him getting loose on them. But man, can you just imagine if we had this line together? We just got to do it. And it, 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 the, I said it yesterday. I tried to call in and I was at work, so I ended up having to hang up. But man. If we could just focus on this game, the Raiders need to focus every week on being 1-0. and Don't worry about your record. Don't worry about the, the, the other team's record. You have to – in these AFC West battles, it has to be just like it's a championship. We just got to go in, smash mouth, and take it. You can't go in here expecting anything but to grind it out. And I just hope to God that – uh, Raider Nation show up like they supposed to. I'm not able to go because it's a Monday and I have to be at work. But I'm going to tell you yep. what, I'm coming where you're going to be. I'm going to be there with you at the M, and yep. I'm going to raise some a fan. We got to go off. Raider Nation, unite. Let's go. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of fans coming from Vegas, I think, to go to L.A., a lot of L.A. fans there. I'm fascinated by tickets. I'm, I'm really fascinated by that industry. 
Hey, look, I was triggered yesterday. I opened up the show. I, I was losing my mind. A couple of fans were saying there were other fans with jerseys on. There were empty seats and all that. I mean, people nitpicking. Allegiant Stadium. I'm like, give me a break. You know, long, it took two years to build that thing on budget. Tommy White and the 872 laborers did it safely. I had a guy start off the show yesterday saying there were two empty seats next to me. Really? We don't care. We focus on the game. All the tickets are sold. They're sold out. Revenue's in. Everything's up. Everything's good. If someone doesn't show up to their seat next to you because they're running late, they're in the club having a drink, they're meeting their buddy at Win Nightclub, or they're hanging with me in the Twitch Lounge or the Magello Cantina, relax. Just enjoy the game. Just stand up on third down defense and be quiet when Derek Carr's on third down. If we all do that, everything is going to be fantastic. It's been fantastic so far. Just those games have taken a long, long time. These games, these overtime games, really take a lot out of a team. I think that's one of the questions I'm going to ask Coach Gruden tomorrow on the Silver and Black Show is the conditioning of this team. You play a game late, late into overtime, down to the final moments of overtime. How does this team react physically? How do you get them back up to speed, even though they get the extra day off for Monday Night Football? Uh Triana and San Bernardino, if I got that right. Go ahead. Yeah, you did. Um, talking about going to the Charger game on Monday, I'll, I'll be there. This will be my second game that I've gone to uh, in L.A. I went to the preseason game versus the Rams. And let me tell you, the home field advantage, being a Raider fan in L.A., no joke. No joke. Raider fans from top to bottom. I actually went to the Charger-Dallas game to take my dad because he's a Dallas fan. Tell me why there was more Dallas fans in that stand than any Charger fans. Again, home field advantage, Dallas won that game. We're going in on Monday, it's going to be home field advantage. No doubt about it. Silver and Black are going to be there, and we're going to root our Raiders to the win versus the Chargers on Monday. No doubt. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much. That sounds great. You know, you mentioned Dallas. That's going to be Thanksgiving, which is going to be a pretty big-time deal because my son goes to college in Oklahoma he says, hey, Dad, do I have to come home? I want to go to the Raider game with a couple of my fraternity brothers. I said, hell yeah, you're in college once in your life. We'll have plenty of Thanksgivings together. Get to that Raider game. My son's a diehard Raider fan. Diehard. He's ready to go. So he said, hey, we'll miss you on Thanksgiving. Mom likes to have the family home. But if you're going to see the Raiders in Dallas, I'm good by that. That'll be a lot of fun there. Who wouldn't encourage their kids in college to go see the Raiders on the road, man? That's a hell of a road trip. Dallas, Dallas looks hungry. We'll get into them coming up. Also, Ron Mix coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Also, I'm going to mention LeBron James. LeBron James told the world he's vaccinated. But did he stop? Why did he stop and not go farther with that? We'll get into that in a little bit. We're brought to you by Five Iron Golf. I'm playing golf on Saturday, and I'm going to Five Iron Golf on Friday to get my game going. The premier indoor golf facility in Area 15 with eight golf simulators, five iron golf. Yeah, he's a very close friend, and we exchanged some text messages uh, last night, and just glad to hear he's okay. And yeah, no doubt. I, uh, I will be the first to admit this is uh, this is not an easy this is not an easy deal emotionally. I'm just glad I have so much poise and, and um, I'm so laid back. <laughs> In the week, talking about Andy Reid on a serious note, having some fun at the end with his demeanor. JT back, Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by Wahoo's Fish Taco. What events they have coming up. Wait till I tell you what you can do. The California Cuisine is available at six different locations. Ron Mix is one of the greatest football players of all time and one of the first football players I met when I got into radio. The legendary L.A. and San Diego Charger played with the Oakland Raiders also. An AFL champion, an eight-time AFL All-Star, a nine-time All-AFL player, and a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Ron it was great to see you Friday night at Coach Flores' event with your son. Looked like you were having a blast. I'm telling you, the Raiders, when they say, once you're a Raider, you're a Raider forever, they mean it. And they put on the best 
ceremony for Tom. It was just a delightful, delightful weekend. You know, Ron, what was amazing, everybody knew on Sunday you'd be there with your gold jacket. The Raiders do a great job with that. Tom was going to have his moment on the field. But that event on Friday night, which was a this is your life, as he was going through every stage of his life and the wall would turn and there'd be Fred Bolitnikoff, there'd be Jim Otto, Ron Mix. And then you go down the road to Jim Plunkett to see how that was put together by the Raiders in the alumni department. I don't think any teams ever even attempted to do something that big. I'd be surprised if they did, but that really is the, the Raiders. You know, it's it Mark. Davis is just continuing the legacy that his father, Al Davis, uh, set. Uh, let me tell you a couple of things about Al, because uh, a lot of the Raider fans may not know this, uh, because he's never advertised it. But Al has given more Raiders, former Raider players, jobs in the front office, at scouts, or in coaching than I bet any other three teams combined. And after I retired, there wasn't a time when I didn't uh, bring to Al's attention that a former Raider was having some financial difficulties that Al just didn't step up and take care of it. I mean, it's, and nobody knows about that part of him, uh-huh. but he's just amazing. And then here's an interesting story. So I, I played with the Chargers for 10 years, as you know, then I was out of football year. The Raiders traded uh, for me, uh, and uh, uh, and then I came back after being out of football year. And uh, so I really wasn't the same player. My weight had gone down when I stopped playing from 270 to 225, and then I had three months to get into condition and gain the weight back. And I, I, I just lost a certain amount of quickness that, how can I put this? This is going to sound arrogant, but... I'd gone from being a great player to a good player. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I contributed to the Raiders, but uh, I was a substitute. And then my second year on the Raiders, uh, I was just on the practice squad. So when I was put on the practice squad, I went into CL to find out what my salary would be on the practice squad because every other team in the league would diminish the salaries greatly. And uh, Al said, uh, it's the same. It's going to be the same. And I said, oh, man, it shouldn't be the same. Uh, I shouldn't earn the same amount being on the taxing squad. Why don't you Why don't you reduce my salary by 10000 And Al said, we don't do things that way around here, Ron. I mean, he's just a, he was just a gem. Ron Mix joins us. What a story. I, I've never heard you tell that story all the years I've known you. That is fantastic about you and Mr. Davis. Does it go back to USC, your great career at SC, before coming into the AFL, before the NFL? Walk me through the first time you met Mr. Davis. You recall that time. What was that connection? Well, first I met him uh, was spring track practice uh, after my freshman year at USC. In those days, the freshmen did not play on the varsity. Mm-hmm. You had to play a freshman season. But in spring practice that year, you, you practice, of course, you're trying out for the varsity squad. So I remember I was in the uh, pra- locker room, and I was doing, I was standing on a, uh, on a, a bench and doing leg squats up and down one leg at a time. And Al came over. He looked so young, I thought he was another player. He said, uh, I see you're doing some leg exercises. Uh, do you also lift weights? I said, yeah, yeah, I do. I, I, I know that uh, um, most coaches discourage weightlifting, but uh, I started weightlifting too. He said, yeah, I said, I believe in it. I believe in it too. Uh, but you're right. Coaches do discourage it for some reason right now, mm-hmm. but I know they're wrong. Uh, he said, what position do you play? I said, I'm, I'm an end. He said, oh, I'm going to be your coach. I'm going to be the end coach. My name is Al Davis. I thought he was a player. He looked <laughs> he looked that young. And then, uh, and then he said to me, he says, um, he says, listen, if you like to catch passes, you're going to be so disappointed in our offense. I'm trying to convince them to throw the ball more, but 
I'm not having much success. So you just better work on your blocking technique. And uh, so he was really progressive, uh, even as a as a college coach. He wanted that. He wanted to throw, but uh, coaches weren't buying into it in those days. And then I, I got switched to um, to tackle. Um, my my after my sophomore year, my eyes went bad. We didn't have such things as contact lenses then, and and uh, so he talked to me. He says, "Ron, he said we're going to switch you to tackle." And I'm going to tell you something. Um, you've got very good speed uh, as an end, but as a tackle, you're going to have outstanding speed, and you're an excellent blocker. He says, "I think." I think you got a chance to play in the NFL. So put on some weight, and uh, you're going to be just fine. And and of course he was right. I mean he he used to work with me uh, after most of the practices. I mean he he was just wow. so dedicated as a coach back then. It was very easy to see why he rose to the top. Ron Mix joins us. It's an incredible story, your relationship with Mr. Davis, coming back for Coach Flores to be there Friday night, the whole weekend, Sunday at the game. Amazing. Hey, Ron, as we wrap this up, I know your law history, becoming an attorney after uh, being a football player, the work that you put in. Where do you think that we are with the state of the game right now? When it started off and what the AFL was worth and the NFL and the merger – and now it was $14 billion. Now it's $16 billion. It's going over $20 billion. The growth, these unbelievable stadiums, the two teams you played for, now have new stadiums in Vegas, now SoFi in Los Angeles. Let's wrap it up with the state of the game and what you love about this sport today. Oh, I think that I love the state of the game. It's, uh, what's great about it is players are finally getting the type of compensation that maybe – should have started getting uh, long ago, and uh, it, 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 and expanded the squads. I know when when I started in the AFL, uh, the squad limit was like 33. Now it's like 53 plus what a 10 10 members practice squad, and uh, the and and what's what's kind of interesting is today's players are really generous to the former players twice. They've raised our pensions. Now, my pension in 2011, 2011, for 11 years of, of credited season, was $191 a month. In case any of the fans think they misheard me, I'll repeat it, $120, $191 a month. And then the current players raised it to uh, to 24000 a year, and then in and the last collective bargaining agreement, uh, they raised it again to now forty-eight thousand a year. Mm-hmm. And um, at any rate, they're just taking care of the former players, and I think that is just just super. And the game has evolved more and more to also include safety measures for the players, which didn't exist. Right. I mean, we used to have full-speed contact sessions three days a week. On the Chargers, uh, and uh, uh, now the the contact sessions are limited right. uh, to something like twenty minutes of uh, a practice and just twice mm-hmm. a week. In 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 training camps, our training camps used to be eight weeks long, and we'd have two a days full contact every each practice. That's been limited. Now they can only have con they can they have two a days, but only contact one of those days and again they limit the contact of course they change the kickoff rule so the the game has evolved in every way possible and in every way possible for the benefit of players nicely said ron it was great seeing you i hope who i'm going to root for Uh, i I, that was my last question your career with the chargers your hall of fame career plus the connection to the raiders I, I wasn't going to put you in this spot, but I, I think I know what you're going to say. You want to give me a final score from SoFi? Well, first, first I got to tell you, you have to, you, you understand that when I tell you this one thing, there was this great comedian named Sam Kennison. Yes. One of the bits <laughs> that Sam Kennison used, he would say, "People are always asking me why I rag on women so much, why I dislike women so much, because a man never broke my heart." Well, 
that applies to to me as the the Raiders never broke my heart. The Chargers retired my number after I uh, played for them for ten years. Then when I got traded to Oakland, uh, ticked off the owner and they unretired my number. Oh. They broke my heart, JT. So I'm going to be rooting for the Raiders. That is an amazing story. I love the fact that you're rooting for the Raiders after your Hall of Fame career with the Chargers and the Raiders. Ron, let's do this again, and I hope to see you in Vegas very soon. Thanks, JT. Hello to everybody. Bye you now. got it. Ron Mix, one of the greatest football players ever. Raider, Hall of Famer. I cannot believe he told me he's rooting for the Raiders. And again, 10 years with the Chargers, Hall of Famer. They retire his number. Al Davis signs him. They unretire his number. Are you kidding me? You don't unretire Ron Mix's number. Another thing I didn't know. Brought to you by Modelo, an official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders. I am two days away from having my bucket of Modelo's. I got to work all week. But on Friday, 2 o'clock, a dripping wet bucket of Modelo's are waiting for me. You should do the same. Back to the power play for the fourth time tonight. Jack Johnson off for cross check. A pocket front score! On the scramble in front of the back door, it's Jonathan Marchessault. It's a power play goal. Vegas back in front. It's 4-3. to three. How about that? A Golden Knights goal. Jonathan Marchessault right here on our sister station. The Golden Knights flagship right here at Lotus Broadcasting. Welcome back, everybody. We're brought to you by Woodson Whiskey. Charles Woodson's Whiskey. He's got the great wine that we all know about, which is fantastic. Intercept, now he's launched his own whiskey. They are proud partners of the show wherever you go. And there are some spots now where it's growing, growing, growing. And we got listeners who are listening all over the country. Demand, Charles Woodson, Woodson Whiskey, proud partner of our show. I'm so thrilled to be dealing with Charles and his team and how they're growing that brand and the fact that we came together on a deal we're really excited about that, so we'd like you to all go out and support our partners, as we always talk about, and one of our newest ones is Charles Woodson and Woodson Whiskey. So you're going to hear Golden Knights goals. You're going to hear LeBron James like you heard today, but you're going to hear the predominantly Raider Nation and the Raiders as we go into this game against the Chargers. So as I've been crunching the numbers, I thought today as I was prepping for the show and looking at numbers and reading all the notes that come from the Raiders, all the great analysts around the country who are now covering the Raiders on top of the great insiders who cover the team. To me, this game isn't a lot about numbers. The Raiders don't have Josh Jacobs so far, and we'll wait to see the status of him for this game. And I'll be meeting with Coach Gruden tomorrow. We'll have our television interview for the Silver and Black Show, and we'll play that on Friday. But we all know Josh isn't at 100%. They're trying to get him back on the grass, as Coach uh, Gruden would say. But they do have a two-headed monster, as we've seen with Barber and Kenyon Drake. I think they're okay there. The problem now becomes the offensive line. The scrutiny is now coming in on the performance of the offensive line on top of the health of the offensive line. So Alex Leatherwood and how pro football focus looks at him as a run blocker, solid, some of the breakdowns he's had in pass protection. Colton Miller, some penalties, but Colton Miller's the strongest player on that offensive line. And Andre James with his bad snaps and the problems that he's having just snapping the football and at times having his head on a swivel not knowing exactly who to block. I think that Tom Cable can work him through this but Simpson, we got a lot of guys who aren't planning on being starters who are coming from the backup role now who got to step up and play great against the Chargers. The Chargers are going to come, and they're going to come fast, and they got Bosa off the edge depending on his – the guy's always banged up. He is always banged up, along with his brother at times, but when they're healthy, they are unbelievable. So the Raiders in this game in Los Angeles, which is a home game for the Raiders – really got to concentrate on pass protection. Because, again, I think you want to run the ball against the Chargers. You want to establish the run if you can. But the Raiders haven't been able to do that. Now, they ran the ball late in the game on that Barber big first down 
where he got that first down late in the game, which set up the game winner. That was positive, and that was great to see. Kenyon Drake's making a lot of money to step in and be a featured back and a back who's going to catch the ball out of the backfield. But that's only going to work well if this offensive line is gelling. And you're not going to leave Darren Waller in to block. You can leave Forster Moreau in to block. Alec Ingold can block. But when he's in there, typically when Ingold's in, it proves that they're going to run the ball up the middle or at short yardage. And then you have to leave a back end to chip and help out Carr. What's been amazing about Derek as we look at his numbers as he leads the NFL in passing. Let me repeat that. Derek Carr leads the NFL in passing yards, and this is the number one offense in the NFL when it comes to overall stats and yardage now. Overall yards, they're number one in the NFL. This is great news. But the question now is how do you match up against the Chargers and their defense? And Derwin James is on the back end. So this is going to be the game that Carr has to be exceptional looking downfield and looking off Derwin James. He's going to have to find a way to make eye contact with Derwin James, see where he is pre-snap, which one coach told me he's the best since Drew Brees that he's seen when it comes to pre-snap, and get the ball out quickly to the opposite side of the field where Derwin James is. Derwin James is a center fielder who can play in the box, can tackle. He's explosive. He can go from playing 15 to 20 yards deep, read a handoff quickly just by personnel and get in the box and make a big hit. So Carr is going to have to see where Derwin James is and make sure that he looks him off and finds a way to attack the other side. I don't think Derwin James is the type of guy you want to go right after and attack downfield. He's a guy who's a fair headhunter, which means that if he gets a chance to take your head off, he's going to do that. And you got to be really careful if you throw the ball up there because he's a ball hawk on top of that. I think overall the Chargers, when I look at their defense, when we crunch the numbers on their secondary, other than Derwin James, they're not great. Casey Hayward is playing at a very high level right now for the Raiders, and he, you know, they were ready to move on from him in Los Angeles. The Chargers were ready to move on from him. So as I look at defensive stats overall, I look at what the Chargers do when it comes to rushing yards per game. And man, I wish that Josh Jacobs was ready to go in this game. If Josh was ready to go in this game, it would pay monster dividends because the team rankings here are very interesting. Let's look at the defensive numbers here. The Raiders' total defense, they are currently ranked 14th. That is great. I know they're playing shootouts and they're playing Derek Carr, throwing, leading the league in passing, but the defense is ranked 14th. The rush defense is ranked 22nd, and the pass defense is ranked 13th. Normally, I don't crunch those numbers to week five or six because crazy things happen early in the season and excuse the numbers. The Raiders on defense, third down defense are ranked seventh. That's fantastic. That means they're getting off the field. They're getting off the field, which we, we preach that the entire offseason and the preseason. Get off the field and give Derek more opportunities to throw. And what has happened there? Derek has the number one offense, 471 yards a game, the number one pass offense at 379. Derek Carr has thrown for 1,203 yards, 64.7% with six passing touchdowns. That's great. Derek's going to get his numbers up also when it comes to completion percentage. Justin Herbert is at 70%, 69.8. But here's what I wanted to get to and something we're going to be talking about the rest of the way, and I've mentioned it already today. The Chargers' defense is ranked dead last in rush defense. They're giving up 170 yards a game. Where's Josh? Where's Josh? Imagine if this offensive line, imagine if the Raiders' offensive line was completely healthy and stout. They'd be going up against the worst rush defense in all of football, ranked dead last at 32nd. Now their passing defense is ranked 7th overall. They're giving up 201 yards a game. And points per game, they're only giving up 20 which ranks eighth, the Raiders are giving up 24, add in overtime, that's tied for 14th. So I love what we're seeing here. The problem that jumps out at me, can the Raiders rush the ball? Because the leading rusher for the Raiders is Peyton Barber with 143 yards, and Josh Jacobs only has 34, and he's not healthy. 
the leading rusher for the Chargers is Austin Eckler at 166, and they don't have anybody after him. So I think that the Raiders can slow down Eckler in the rushing game. Now we get to receptions. Now we get to receptions, and Waller's been quiet since that first game. He leads the Raiders with 20. In receptions for the Chargers, they have Mike Williams at 22, Keenan Allen at 21. Austin Eckler also has 15 receptions. So they have, they have three, three pass catchers who can do a lot of damage in this game. Mike Williams has 295 yards, Keenan Allen 258. They will target them in this game deep downfield. They're great possession receivers. They're really big and strong. And that's why it's important that Casey Hayward and Trayvon Mullen have a big game. And especially, this to me is the Trayvon Merrick game. Because Merrick's going to be playing center field. And Mike Williams is going to look and Keenan Allen to get over the top. Or they're going to catch balls in stride over the middle of the field. And our safeties, the Raiders' safeties can't swing and miss. They can't. Not in this game. They have to tackle, and they have to tackle hard, which they've been doing. So I know I'm giving you a lot of stats here, a ton of stats here. But just remember, Carr's coming into the game playing better than Herbert. He's thrown for many more yards than him. Herbert's got a better completion percentage. They're tied with touchdowns. The whole country is waiting to see if Carr can have a better game than Justin Herbert in this game. Because everybody's giving Carr these MVP accolades through three games, which he deserves, and he's getting on all these TV and radio shows. But it won't disappear if he doesn't win the game. But if Herbert has a big game, all the attention that's going to Derek Carr, a lot of it is going to go over to Justin Herbert. Not Teddy Bridgewater, who's played three, three teams with a combined record of 0-9. But Herbert is one Monday night football game away on his home field, which is a road game because all the Raider fans are there. That's how close Herbert is. You can't see my fingers this close to having a big game and grabbing all of this national attention, and the Raiders got to stop that. So statistically, the big problem with this game is Josh Jacobs. If Josh was at 100% and he was bubble-wrapped, completely bubble-wrapped in the preseason, then we're looking at a, a healthy Josh running downhill, going up against the worst rushing defense in football. Without that, how much will John Gruden look at that number that the Chargers are dead last in rushing defense and tell his staff, we got to run the ball. We got a better chance at running the ball, even with our backup running backs, than we do have if we try to throw it against this Charger defense that is ranked seventh in pass defense and has Bosa coming off the edge and Derwin James and a really good team. I don't know what's going to happen here. Solomon Thomas has more sacks than Joey Bosa. He's got 2.5. Max Crosby's got two. Joey Bosa has 1.5. So they're not doing a great job, and they don't have, get this, I couldn't believe this today. The Chargers don't have an interception this year. Trayvon Mullen has one. There's none for the Chargers, which is shocking to me considering they're 2-1 and one and the opponents that they've played. Vegas comes in 3-0. and They have scored 90. They've given up 72. Los Angeles, the Chargers come in 2-1. They've put up 